Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the latest edition of Head of the Pack with myself, Bill Huber. Your normal two that you're probably sick and tired of hearing of. So we brought on the very talented, very special guest, Jordan Rodriguez, the Athletics Rams beat writer, of course, because the Packers host the Rams in the divisional round with a spot in the NFC Championship game on the line. So Jordan, I want everyone's been asking me this week, is Aaron Donald playing? Who's starting at quarterback? So give us the latest on the health of some of the Rams' most important players. Yeah, great question. Um, happy to be here. Hello, everybody. I think it's a lot warmer where I am right now than where you guys are. Um, Don't be rude. <laughs> the, su- the sun's out. I'm just going to rub it in. Sun's um, out here, too. <laughs> um, okay, so Aaron Donald is going to play, uh, barring some sort of celestial, extraterrestrial event. Aaron Donald will play on Saturday against the Packers. Um, he's got torn slash separated rib cartilage. Uh, very, very painful injury. However, he's going to uh, strap some sort of device around his chest and put a heat pad under there and play on Saturday. Now, if he's at 80% or more, I would say you'll see uh, pretty close to Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald. Um, but, you know, other than that, they um, the, Cooper Cup has a knee injury. He's also expected to play. It's a little bursitis. He knocked his kneecap against a guy last week and it started swelling up really bad. So they had to take care of that. He's resting this week, but he'll play. Cam Akers is healthy. He'll play. I do not know who's going to start for them at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> they probably know, but they're pretending they don't know. Uh, we went through this dance last week where they – uh, we're deciding between uh, about a 80% Jared Goff because he had the thumb surgeries recovering from that and a 100% John Walford. They went with John Walford and Jared Goff, obviously, as you guys know, had to come in because um, John Walford took a hit from Jamal Adams and had to go to the hospital. So John Walford is now recovering from a neck stinger, but I would not really expect him to be rolled out for Saturday. The Rams really, really like him because he can run some of their zone read plays. He can do a couple of things with designed runs. So they really like the extra layer layer and the fact that nobody's seen him yet, really, other than that Cardinals game. And Jared Goff is still returning to full functionality in his thumb. Backups are Blake Bortles and Bryce Perkins. We love us some Blake Bortles here. Jordan, did, did I hear right, Jordan, that that Donald had never been on an injury report? That's what some local guy told me today. Is that is that accurate? It's Good accurate Lord. to a point. So he has been on the injury report because they force him to take rest days because <laughs> If he doesn't take at least one day off a week, their guards don't get a good workout because they're just getting abused. <laughs> I know that sounds like a tall tale, but that's actually real. They have they force him to take a day off once a week so that their guards can get actual reps in instead of like panic reps. So it's really, really funny to kind of watch because he's still, you know, in the weight room and working out and everything. He's never been for an injury. Uh, he's never been on the injury report for an actual injury, however. That's absurd at that position where you can get you know, some lineman falls across the back of your legs, you know, through no fault of your own. I mean, that is, it's amazing. Yeah. Injuries don't happen to Aaron Donald. Aaron <laughs> Donald happens to injuries. That's a great line. And speaking That's of great. another Aaron who has not been on the injury report once this year, uh, he's 37 year old and has 37 years old and has gray hair. Uh, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been on the injury report. He was telling us the other day, I think it was last week. Yeah. His bi-week press conference, you know, this is the best he's felt after a season. Uh, as far as he can remember in his career. So I'm really excited to watch. Uh, it, I know it, there are a lot of different matchups that are intriguing in this game, but 
Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offensive line, which by ESPN's uh, pass block win rate has been the best pass blocking offensive line in the NFL. I believe they've won seven, 74% is what they said of the number of pass block reps. They've just outright won, which is best in the league. So I'm really excited to uh, watch that. Bill, what's the main thing you're watching for? Give me one matchup that you're most excited to see, whether it's Donald against Elton Jenkins or Ramsey versus Adams, or what is it? It's got to be Ramsey versus Adams. And I know it's not a very difficult pick, but if Ramsey can kind of take out Adams, where on earth does the offense come from? And can Rodgers find anybody open before Aaron Donald gets in the backfield? I think it's that's that's the matchup. Adams has to win. I mean, he, I'm not saying he has to win every rep, but he's he's got to win enough reps where they can make some chunk plays, in my opinion. And Jordan, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. You know, Ramsey sometimes, you know, follows the guy. More importantly, some cornerbacks are guys that aren't physically able to follow guys all around the field. Ramsey it has all the tools to do that. It's just the, the Rams like to use him in kind of a, a unique way. And we're talking to Devontae yesterday, Devontae is the kind of guy who he cares about who he's going up against, but he doesn't watch film based on that player. He's so focused on what he's doing, the routes he's running. And he's called Jalen one of three or four quote unquote, super elite corners in the league yesterday. And, and he has tremendous respect for him. Uh, they've only faced off once in a real game, a uh, couple other reps at the pro bowl. He was telling us, but, um, He's not really preparing as if Ramsey will shadow him if he won't. But tell us about the star, which is kind of the, the role that Brandon Staley uses Jalen Ramsey in and, and how we might see that implemented on Saturday. Yeah, I actually kind of like that technique from Devontae because Jalen, um, the way that they operate their secondary, Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator, and then um, Aubrey Pleasant, who coaches the corner the cornerbacks, the way that they move their secondary around, it's like a, almost like a living entity in itself in the back end. Like it, it sort of is like when you watch those nature videos and it's there's a sea anemone and he's kind of waving back and forth. That's how these guys all sort of wave back and forth throughout the backfield. They move around a lot. They rotate. They are extremely fast, extremely physical, extremely smart secondary. And so in that sense, they can they can move guys and rotate guys. So it's very, very hard to diagnose back end of the defense. And then the things that they do on the front end with their with their front seven um, also cer disguise certain coverages and, and make looks a little bit more confusing, um, you know, th than people have really seen across the league before. And so it, it's really, really interesting because Jalen has pretty much free range. So he's going to adhere to whatever their game plan is, but their game plan could very well say, okay, you're going to shadow him on, you know, 70% of his routes run, uh, Devontae Adams on 70% of his routes run. We're going to be in zone sometimes. Also, we're going to rotate you into the star if we'd like to blitz. If our pass rush isn't popping, we would like to get a little bit more exotic. We're going to put you into the slot so you could blitz. If we're having some issues against the run, we're going to play you closer to the line of scrimmage and run support because he's one of the better tacklers on the team. He, he moves everywhere. He goes everywhere. And what we've also seen, and his numbers are are a little bit skewed um, in terms of shadowing on routes run. Now, we know that Jalen Ramsey is holding receivers on average to 20 yards per game when in coverage, and he's in coverage 65% or more on number one receivers um, on their routes run throughout the course of the regular season. And obviously, you saw what happened with DK Metcalf last week. But what teams are doing, the Seahawks have done it twice. Um, the Cardinals tried it. 
teams are motioning their number one receiver away, either pre-snap or at snap away from wherever Jalen Ramsey is on the field. And because the Rams do what they do, they, they don't necessarily respond as much as they try to assert on defense. They don't often move Jalen with the motion unless he is, unless that's a part of their game plan with DK, it wasn't a part of their game plan to move him with the motion player. And so that was, that was really interesting. And it, and it, um, it did not, it did not work really for the Seahawks because on a motion play, they threw tried to get a screen to DK and Darius Williams had like the first pick six on a screen in five years. So it's, it's really interesting. And, and I know I'm, I'm rambling at this point, but it's so interesting the way they move their secondary. When people ask me, do you expect Jalen Ramsey to shadow DK Metcalf or excuse me, shadow Devonte Adams? I say, yes, but also we probably need to redefine what right. it means to shadow, to truly shadow a receiver. Bill, I remember LaFleur saying after the pan because the Panthers game a couple of weeks ago was really the only game where Devontae got shut out. There was that one play where he caught the the screen pass or the swing pass, whatever you want to call it. I don't I don't remember exactly what the play was from Rogers down in the red zone. And then he kind of flung the ball away after he got tackled for a two yard gain. And LaFleur said after that game, yeah, he was frustrated. We got to move around more. They kind of went away from the motion. Do you do you see like Jordan said, do you see the Packers asserting Devontae or adjusting to what the Rams do? Yeah, they, they've got to make him front and center in the, in the, in the game plan. And you know, I, I think that first quarter is going to be kind of a feeling out thing. I think they'll probably do a lot of things with Adams to see how the Rams are going to respond. But I mean, everybody knows, right? You, Jordan, I mean, everyone knows that Adams has to have a, a doesn't have to have a great game, but he, but he has to make some plays. I would expect him to move here, there, and everywhere to try to find, at least get away from Ramsey to some extent, don't you? Yeah, I agree. And I think he's capable of that because, you know, they have been able to use him, you know, in motion pre-snap a lot. And Devontae is obviously a guy that's not um, defined as an outside guy or a slot guy. He can really play anywhere. So I'm really interested to see how they counter what, what the Rams do with Ramsey, who's probably, you know, listen, we can debate all day about who the best cornerback is. If I was gun to my head, who's the best cornerback in the league? I'm in the building right now where Jair Alexander lives, I think, because I've seen him in the elevator in my building before. <laughs> but I would have to say Jalen Ramsey. As much as I like Jair as a person, and he's awesome uh, as a player and as a guy to talk to, I would probably say Jalen above him right now. So that it'll be really, really interesting to watch. I, I wanted to ask Jordan about I don't know if this is more of just like a talking point that I'm able to tweet out a, a fun stat about, but the whole notion <laughs> about cold weather and the, the stat I found, Aaron Rodgers has uh, played the entirety of 10 games uh, in the last five seasons where the temperature has been at or below freezing at kickoff. And he, the Packers are 10-0 and 0 in those games. Aaron Rodgers has thrown 26 touchdowns and one interception. Jared Goff has played in two, both in the 2018 season. Rams are one and one, and he's thrown no touchdowns and five interceptions. Is that like a real thing? Like, it has have they talked about this week? Um, obviously, they're not going to say it's going to be a problem. I know Lamar Jackson said the other day, I hope I don't have to play in snow in Buffalo this weekend. But, <laughs> like, is that just something that is a media talking point? Or do you think um, the weather could actually be a, a factor? Because, you know, in a year when home field advantage doesn't really exist, 
if you had to pick one place that still has it because of the temperature, I think you would you would pick Green Bay. Yeah, um, I wouldn't enjoy playing in that kind of weather. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, but here's the thing. Here's here's a Sean McVay meeting room. They're all sitting in there in the meeting room, and Sean McVay gets up in front of all the players, and he's like, "Cold is a mindset." <laughs> It's not a status. It's a mindset. Yeah. So what they're just really going to try to do is mentally push through. However, I mean, it is that you can't argue statistically with how Jared Goff has played in cold weather. That, that uh, you know, four or five interception game in Chicago is one of his least favorite memories of all time, I think. And and it really it, it was a factor when you have three screws in your thumb. I imagine it's going to be a factor in terms of just how it feels, um, you know, sometimes guys joke and they're like, oh, well, if it's that cold, then I won't feel it when I get hurt because the there won't be any swelling, but you will feel it, you know, before then and after then, um, before your body sort of goes hypothermic. And so I think that it's, it's really going to be interesting. I would argue that it is a home field advantage for the Packers for context. The Rams are playing, um, in 77 degree weather today in thousand Oaks that where they practice and in 81 degree weather tomorrow where they practice in thousand Oaks, um, and then are going to get on a plane and it's going to drop down to like what 25. So I think that that's certainly something that is advantageous for green Bay always has been, it's been really, um, an interesting and really cool thing over the years to watch how quarterbacks who are, are, um, long timers in, in green Bay sort of operate that and use it as a weapon instead of something that's also happening to them. So that's, that's certainly an advantage. I think that when we talk about the quarterbacks, I wouldn't be surprised if you see both. If if John Walford's healthy enough to play, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you see both quarterbacks get used because if the ball is not getting through the air very well because Jared is having some issues with the thumb and it's cold and the ball is heavy and you know all of these different types of factors that go into it, then you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they get the ball on the ground more, lean on Cam Akers, the running back, um, lean on John Walford and some of those designed runs that they did and try to pick up easier yards that way. And so, I, you know, that that kind of thing wouldn't really surprise me. Um, I did love Robert Woods's response, though, <laughs> to it. He's like, because he started his career in Buffalo, right? So Buffalo, he, yeah. he knows he went from USC in Southern California to Buffalo. <laughs> so he said, you know, the way to deal with the cold is put on long sleeves and go about your business. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I thought it was interesting, Bill. Uh, when we asked Devante after they beat the Titans, and I think that was the game where people were like, all right, this might actually make a difference if they get the one seed. You know, you have the team tied with the Chiefs for the highest scoring offense in the league entering week 16. The Titans came in and scored 14 points on the Packers. And Devante said after that game, People definitely don't want to play in the cold. It's tough, man. It's tough. It makes you a little bit less physical. It takes your speed away. If you don't get to practice in this and get used to the temperature, the snow and all that stuff, as you've seen, it can obviously take a toll. And he said, I don't want to attribute everything that happened out there to the weather, but it definitely didn't help them out at all. And it definitely played in our favor, given we have guys who go out there every single week and get used to playing in it. So I thought that was interesting. Like Guys aren't just brushing this off as, oh, we just got to go out there and do our business. It's you know, this actually makes a difference. Do you agree? Yeah. Bill? Yeah. You know, I think he went on in that comment to say Lambeau Field's a beast. Um, the temperatures are, are a big deal. And I think it will be with Goff's thumb. I mean, he didn't throw the ball very well in Seattle. I mean, who can blame him? But I, I think the footing is the big deal. Um, it's not pristine September grass. It's going to be, 
going to be a little slick. And, and, you know, I remember when the FA lost to Tampa, the narrative was, you know, this is why we have to get home field advantage is because it takes the speed away from those linebackers. And it does. I think the field is the issue. Not that it's going to be snowy. Not that it's going to be bad like Soldier Field bad, but I don't think the footing is as good. Um, I think that takes the starch away from the pass rush. I think it takes the speed away from the speedy guys. And if you're Devontae Adams and you are used to a December Lambeau field, or January in this case, I do think it gives you an advantage over Jalen Ramsey. I, I do. And in a game like this, any little advantage is, is a super big deal. Yeah, the Rams actually have not played in a cold weather game this year, by the way, guys. They did all their East Coast travel at the front half of the season. So this will really be the first time where they're going to be in take your breath away cold or <laughs> a type of surf, a playing surface in, in that regard, um, where I think they have a, a few maybe a little bit more insight than they would have had in previous years is Brandon Staley was in Chicago. So has plenty of experience with that kind of thing. And then Leonard Floyd in their pass rush, who's he's just really been incredible for them this year, rushing in tandem with Aaron Donald. And, um, and he obviously started his career in Chicago as well. So I think that it's, they're going to try it's it's like a, it's such a mental thing right i mean it's it's going to be a very much a physical thing once you get there mm-hmm. but in the week ahead it's such a mental thing it's like okay well i don't know much about this um you know myself but i have this guy and he knows about this and I, um i've done i've played in this game before i've played in this weather before so i'm going to lean on that experience and it's kind of like and then on, on the other side okay how can i win a leverage here how can i get a little bit extra speed on my side of the ball here and it's just so interesting the mental work that must go into preparing for uh sub freezing temperatures yeah no doubt and, and it's definitely something that guys like rogers and Devonte adams two guys who are from northern california had to get used to. All right, quickly before we get out of here, because Jordan, we don't want to keep you around for when Bill and I answer Twitter questions. I, I don't know how <laughs> many of them are Ram centric today, but let's go around, do a prediction for the game, and however long you want to take to explain why. I'll go last because Packer fans are going to cut my head off. <laughs> oh, good. I'll go first then because we'll leave them with you. <laughs> um, okay, so. I, I, this defense is the most badass defense I've ever seen in person. I've been, I've only been covering the league for five years, but I'm serious guys. Um, this, this defense is, is the real deal. They're taking the ball away. They're scoring touchdowns and they've needed to because the offense has not been able to score for crap. So did you cover the Panthers defense when they went to the Super Bowl? Uh, the year after. So the same guys, still the same strengths, but they also weren't moving the ball on offense. So yeah, I've covered I've covered Luke Keekley defenses um, and Ron Rivera and his prime defenses. And this is still the most badass defense I've ever seen. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable and confusing for a quarterback because they, they use um, intentionally light boxes and it throws off sort of your route patterns and different types of things you can do even with the run. And it's, it's just in the secondary I already explained. It's so um, it, it's just as a, a defense as a whole, it's such an organism of just a constantly moving, constantly reshaping uh, situation. So it's very difficult to diagnose and they're taking the ball away. Like I said, they are scoring. Um, I think the defense is going to, I know this is super rare. Please don't, please don't murder me. <laughs> Green Bay fans. Um, I know this has been a super rarity this season. I do think they will get a, tur- the Rams will get a turnover um, on defense 
And I think that they're also going to limit Green Bay in scoring where they have not, no team really has been able to do that all year. But for, I believe the statistic, Matt, is two times under 24 points, they've lost both. Otherwise, they've gone 13 and one. Is is that That accurate? That is correct. The two times. Yes. They scored under 24 off the top of my head were the Buccaneers game when they lost 38-10 and the Vikings game when they lost 28-22. Yes. Yeah, so I I think it's going to be such a battle. I think this is going to be such a great game. I would say the Rams' defense uh, continues their pattern of uh, limiting scoring better than any other defense in the league. And uh, so I'm going to go, oh, God, I'm going to go 21-18. Uh, I'm going to go 21, 18 okay. Rams. Sorry Ooh, guys. There you go. Bill, <laughs> take it away. Yeah. Here, she's got this great breakdown of everything. And I'm just going to be the simple and say it's Aaron Rodgers against Jared Goff. Oh, re- really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, look, I, I think the Rams defense is great. That's for sure. Um, Packers defense isn't bad. When you got a quarterback with a bad thumb, I think that works in your favor. I do think the weather helps in some regard. You know, it'll be super low scoring, you know, maybe, maybe 24, 20, but I, I will, I will take the Packers to, to make just enough plays to win. All right, Matt, that's good. Let's Bill. Tick I, off people. I like that bill. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. I do like that bill. I like that prediction. I will say though, uh, if you go Aaron Rodgers against Jared Goff, every time Aaron Rodgers wins that battle, every single time, you know, even if he, he himself also had a broken thumb. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I guess I, I more am looking at it like Aaron Rodgers versus Brandon Staley right. and, and company. But yeah, definitely in that quarterback battle, Bill, you are. I think you, you're you're nailing yeah, it. It's just such a quarterback driven league, though. And I and again, I'm not slighting the the Rams are going to do it because they're going to make life miserable for him. But um, I guess I, I would say that the Green Bay defense, maybe that gives against the Rams offense, maybe that is where the bigger advantage is. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really, really good point because they are not scoring very regularly. They went like two two weeks without a touchdown and 22 percent over three weeks without a touchdown. Uh, excuse me, 22 percent touchdown percentage in the red zone over that last three weeks of the regular season. And that was just unprecedented in the Sean McVay offense. So, Bill, I think that's a great point because this Rams offense has been wildly un- inconsistent this year. All right. So. The kryptonite for this Packers offense the last two years, really, and I know last year doesn't carry as much weight because they've, there's been so much growth in this offense in year two under Matt LaFleur, has been a defensive line that can get pressure and can get after the quarterback. It was the, uh, the Chargers and the 49ers last year. You know, the Packers lost, I believe it was 26-11 in Los Angeles to the Chargers, who weren't a very good team last year. Then they got their teeth kicked in twice against the 49ers last year, who had probably the best defensive line in the league. This year, it was the Buccaneers who can create so much pressure up front. It was the Colts in the second half because the Packers scored 28 in the first half in that game. But then their offense did nothing. And I, I understand they've had success against respectable defensive lines like the Chicago Bears, but, you know, I just think given the state of the Packers offensive line, it's still a tremendous offensive line. But without David Bakhtiari, who is the, possibly the best offensive lineman in the world right now uh, because he recently tore his ACL, I, 
I understand that Billy Turner and Rick Wagner have been good, and they just signed Jared Valdir, who started for them uh, in the playoffs last year, started for the Colts a couple days ago at left tackle. Um, I just don't know how well the guys on the exterior of that line can hold up. And listen, I know Aaron Donald's an interior defensive lineman, but they can line him up outside as well, and, and he'll still be as effective. And they can line him up over Lucas Patrick at right guard if the Packers start him there, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Pro Bowl starter, Elton Jenkins, at left guard. The, I think he's 24 years old. And, and then they, the Packers have a first-team All-Pro at center, but the Rams and Aaron Donald and Brandon Staley can do enough moving him around to, to throw things out of whack. And all it takes... All it takes for this Packers offense to, to kind of get shot in the foot, so to speak, is early pressure from the Rams' defensive line. And, and this Packers team has been so good at scoring early. If they don't score early, I just feel a sense might set in of, oh boy, if we can't score early, what are we going to do? And then it's just been a common thread the last two years of if teams can get pressure early against the Packers, they're going to be able to get pressure for the most part of the game. I'm not saying the Packers are going to turn the ball over, but I think the Rams defense will do just enough. And on the other side of the ball quickly, before I give my official score prediction, guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are so dangerous in the second tier of the field on crossers and, and not just mm-hmm. deep balls, like, like a Marquez Valdez Scantling, like, and, and the weakness of the Packers defense, I think still is their uh, linebackers and pass coverage. We saw it last year. We saw it this year at times. It's been better of late, but guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods can help Jared Goff, who doesn't necessarily have to throw deep balls, just not dink and dunk his way downfield, but attack that second level of the Packers defense um, and really take time off the clock and keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline because that's the best way to beat this team. So I'm going to go a little more high scoring. I'm going to go 28-24 Rams. Uh, nobody's going to like that prediction and maybe I'm wrong. You know, I wouldn't mind covering a Super Bowl because it's on my bucket list, but Hey, I'm going to go 28, 24 Rams and people will probably stop listening to this podcast after they hear that. <laughs> Matt, uh, really quick. I, cause I, after I presented my, uh, sort of comments with, with Bill and with, uh, my own score prediction, I'm actually going to change mine. Okay. Because I've been sitting here thinking about it, and I don't know what the hell I was thinking when I <laughs> blurted out that first score. I actually think it'll be 2017 Rams. 2017, because, okay. Because the way that their their journey on at kicker and their struggles in the red zone, I think it's going to come down to Mr. Matt Gay in his redemptive year, um, making a kick in the freezing cold Oof. with fans for the first time all season. Um you just, you know, that's just so storybook. Oh, and by, and also I did want to share too, Matt called this at the beginning of the year, um, Aaron Donald, or excuse me. Wow. Aaron Rodgers having a, an MVP season. Um, did I say Sean that? McVay, yeah, I think you did. Yeah. You said he's, he's mad. We were in our, our round table and you said he's mad and he's going to come out and have an oh, MVP right. caliber season. And, um, and Sean McVay and Brandon Staley both said they think that he should be MVP or that he, that he's going to be MVP. So I think that that's, that's something a positive. We can end this on with Packers fans. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, he received 46 of the 50 all pro votes from the AP and those are the same people who vote for the MVP. So I think that was a pretty, pretty good indication, but it means nothing as he knows if they lose this game and listen, I'll end it on this. Nobody knows more, uh, how a second Super Bowl ring changes your legacy 
from just one ring than Aaron Rodgers. And you got, listen, he'll forever be remembered as possibly the most talented quarterback to ever play. But Tom Brady will be forever remembered as the best quarterback to ever play. I know we can get into the semantics of that later, but Rodgers and Drew Brees and Russell Wilson all have one Super Bowl right now. And, and that's kind of the era uh, that he's grouped in with. And he knows how much a second one would mean to his legacy. So he's got his sights set on that, not really the MVP, although I'm sure he still wants to win that. So for me, for Bill, for Jordan, who is way smarter and way better at our job than both of us. Oh, and our super producer, Danielle. I can't forget her. Bill and I will stay on to answer some of your questions, but that will probably be of a much lower quality than what we all just talked about. (laughs) Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, guys. And don't forget to check out the 11 Personnel podcast if you're interested in a Ram side of the the perspective. Rich Hammond and myself host that over at The Athletic Los Angeles. Super producer Danielle (laughs) also produces it. So we're very excited about that. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and this game is going to be a lot of fun. And follow Jordan on Twitter, at Jordan Rodrigue, and I will spell that for you because you probably will mess up the spelling. (laughs) J-O-U-R-D-A-N-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E. Thank you so much to Jordan Rodrigue for joining us. As you guys could probably tell, uh, a much-needed fresh voice on our podcast because Bill and I have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Jordan is very good at what she does. Um, covering the Rams. So follow her stuff all week, but we're going to get into our, our normal segment of answering some Twitter questions, probably five, six, seven or so. First one I, I like from Brown Pluto. The profile picture is a dog that looks like one of Bill's uh, at Tandell underscore Syraj. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Little off topic, but as a college freshman, what is the best path or things I should do to put myself in the best position to become a sports journalist? I love that question. I know it has nothing to do with the game, but I think we're going to answer it. So I'm going to say, um, ask questions like that. If you have any connections in the business, even if you don't, reach out to people in the business. Um, let them know you're interested because something I wish I would have done more way back when I was in college four, three and a half years ago is, is try to network a little bit more. And you know, going to Syracuse, there's a tremendous network of alumni that have helped me out. And I wouldn't be where I am today without them, but show that you're interested and and you reaching out like this, asking questions shows that you're interested. Don't be afraid to email me mschneidman at theathletic.com with a story you wrote and and I'll let you know what I think of it. Or, you know, just if you want to hop on the phone for a little bit and and just pick my brain or whatever, uh, that's totally fine too. But if I had to say one thing, I would say, you know, Try to make as many connections in the business as possible because you never know when uh, someone can put in a good word for you for an internship or job. And just show that you care. Ask questions. Reach out. Because, you know, we don't have a lot going on. You know, at least I don't in my life. And, and we'll remember the people that, that reach out. And you never know when that's going to help down the road. Yeah, one thing I would say, too, is um, you don't have to start off covering an NFL team. You know, your, your local newspaper. Um, whose staff has probably been slashed, would love to get some high school coverage. You know what? And I, I got my feet, my feet wet running about high school football and basketball. Um, it's it's a great way to to get your feet wet and and you you know talk you're talking about mentoring and, and stuff like that. You know the, the sports editor is going to tell you what he thinks of your story. He's going to help you out. So a it's a foot in the door and b it's a great experience. There's there's nothing at all wrong with high schools. That's a great answer. All right, we got to answer this one. At Wisconsin Sports Chat, Wisconsin Sports Chat asks, a lot of D coordinators 
are getting scooped up right now. If the Packers finish the season as anything less than Super Bowl champions, will Pettin get fired? Please say Sorry. yes. Guess what? Hell no. <laughs> there is no chance Mike Pettin gets fired. Um, just listening to the way, and I don't know if this is a great indicator, but just listening to the way Matt LaFleur has talked about him compared to how he talked about him earlier in the year, I think is reflective of a lot. Not only has his unit performed a lot better on the field, um, I don't even think a performance like the, the one they had against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game last year on Saturday against the Rams would get him fired. Do you? Um, well, I mean, if they're that miserable, I think maybe it's in play. But um, they've been a borderline top 10 defense over the last five, six yeah. weeks. I mean, good gracious. Well, um, I'm going to say, what more do you want? I mean, you could always want more, obviously. But it it's not been a bad unit whatsoever. And I keep coming back to this. This is not... 1985 when the Bears give up like 12 points a game. It's a different era yep. of football. The Rams are an anomaly. They are unbelievably good. Um, most defenses are not that. Um, most defenses don't have Aaron Donald either, but um, <laughs> this is, it's a different time. Giving up 20 points, which might have been mediocre in the past. If you give up 20 points in today's NFL, that's damn good defense. It really is. I'm sorry I'm running through these. At the time you're listening to this, we have uh, Kenny Clark hopping on a Zoom in six minutes. So that, that's the only reason for the little urgency. At BennyBoy209 says, given how well Valdir played with the Colts this past week, what are the chances he starts over, over Wagner this weekend? Um, I looked at PFF. It credited Valdir for four pressures allowed uh, against the, uh, the Bills. So uh, I would need to go back and, and watch the tape to see how well he really played. I like trusting PFF for pressures allowed and stuff like that more than anything else. But given the trust they have in Valdir, not only because of, you know, obviously they did have trust in him because they signed him, but because of what he did for them uh, against the Seahawks and the Lions, I believe it was, in week 17 last year when Brian Bilago was hurt and then sick. I could see them starting Valdir at right starting Rick at left and moving Billy to right guard because um, they just think that gives them the better five over Lucas Patrick. But what I think is going to happen is Valdir is that third tackle and they stay with Patrick at right guard, Wagner at right tackle, and Turner at left tackle. And Valdir wasn't at practice today, so I don't know if he's hurt. Yeah, good point. Um, just a side on Valdir. Can you imagine coming out of retirement and starting that week? Because that's what he did in week 17 with the Colts. Absurd. That's crazy. All right. This is from autographing. This is a good question. Do you think this year the Packers have their best Super Bowl chances in terms of how the team will look in the next two to three seasons? I truly believe this year has the best odds based on contracts and such. I will go one step further. I say it is this year or no year because they have too many key players who are going to walk out the door financially. Uh, I agree. That's a good point. I, You know, playing pessimist here, they could be without Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Kevin King, and dare I even say Aaron Rodgers next year. We do not know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Um, who knows what's going on inside that crazy mind of Brian Gutekunst. Even if Rodgers is back, I think this is by far a, maybe not a do or die year, but it's almost boom or bust this year because there's no guarantee that David Bakhtiari plays next season. That's a huge component in this. Um, and there's just no guarantee that the Packers offense is firing on all cylinders year after year after year uh, like it is this year. And especially with Jordan Love coming up here, if he 
does ever take a snap at quarterback for this team. I think this, yes, is a boomer bust type uh, playoff run for them. Um, Evgeny wants to know, everybody talks about Adams versus Ramsey, Riders versus Donald, but what other matchups are going to be the most important? That's a good question. And I'll offer uh, one just before, uh, Bill, you do, and then we'll get out of here to talk to Kenny Clark. But what I think is going to be super, super important is, like I said earlier on the podcast, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods against the Packers linebacking core. And I know they're not going up against each other directly all the time. I know that'll be cornerbacks and maybe even safeties, but Cup and Woods can really do damage in the second tier of the field. They're not always deep guys. They're really good slashers and good at running crossing routes and stuff like that. And that's where this Packers defense can get exposed, if anywhere, is that second tier against the linebackers. So if Christian Kirksey and Chris Barnes can wrap up well, and Adrian Amos, when he steps down into the box, can wrap up well and prevent those guys from breaking tackles and and stretching seven-yard gains into 22-yard gains, I think the Packers should be in decent shape. That's a great point about tackling the Rams, at least based on pro football focuses numbers. The Rams are one of the best tackling teams in football. The Packers are one of the worst. Um, I will say tight ends both ways. Um, look, someone's going to have to step up in the passing game without Adam, not without Adams, but to help Adams. Tunyon had all the touchdowns. I believe the Rams tight ends of Higby and Everett, I want to say combined for 83 or 85 catches. So I will say tight ends. That's a good one. Okay. We don't mean to rush out, but... We've given you enough to, to occupy you, I hope, until the game on Saturday. For me, for Bill, for super producer Danielle, this has been the latest Head of the Pack, and we will talk to you guys again on Saturday night. Take it easy.